Welcome, and thank you for joining the Society for Clinical Research Sites for SCRS Talks. I'm Jimmy Bechtel, the Vice President of Site Engagement for the Society. SCRS Talks is a program that allows our partners and those that we work closely with to take a few minutes to address issues of industry concern, share exciting achievements, and learn about our community. We know that a record number of trials started last year. At the same time, sites faced employee shortages and turnover at alarmingly high rates. With the rapid growth and lack of staff, many sites have a backlog of studies that they just can't start. The potential for technology to reduce those site workloads and streamline some of these processes is definitely exciting, but we see that too often technology actually ends up adding work rather than streamlining it. The rush to solve problems with new software and devices has left a lot of sites stuck managing way too many systems and systems that aren't well integrated. Today, we're lucky to have Katherine Greger here with us, the Chief Clinical Trial Officer at Florence Healthcare, who spoke on this very topic at the 2022 Global Oncology Site Solutions Summit in Austin, Texas. In this episode, Katherine will share insights on how research sites can close their capacity gap to start and successfully complete clinical trials with the right technologies, processes, and support systems. So let's take a minute to meet our guest today. Catherine, if you wouldn't mind a brief introduction. Sure, Jimmy. So I'm Catherine Greger. I'm the Chief Clinical Trials Officer at Florence, which is a software company that provides software solutions in the clinical trial space. I've been with Florence since November of last year. Prior to that, I spent 20 years in the field running clinical trials um, at different types of sites, both large and small. And most recently, I was the Director of Clinical Research Administration for the Vanderbilt Ingram Cancer Center, where I oversaw that program for about five years. Excellent. Thank you, Catherine. So as we mentioned in our introduction here, technology definitely has the power to reduce burden on overworked sites, but only if technology is well integrated and connects those sites to sponsors in efficient ways. During your session at the Global Oncology Summit, what feedback did you hear from sites in your session about technology? And, and, and I guess with that, what are some of the challenges here and opportunities? Yeah, absolutely. So the feedback we heard at the sites is very similar to what you said in your opening uh, dialogue, that there are a number of solutions available to them, some of which they own, some of which are being provided by sponsors and CROs. Um, but in every case, there's a lot of them. And when there's a lot of systems out there that don't talk to each other, it actually doesn't solve the problem that it was set out to do, right? It creates more administrative work. It places uh, remove staff from clinical workflow to work on IT solutions. It turns us into IT help desk when we're looking at patient-facing technology, trying to figure out why a, a pad or a phone doesn't work on the application that it needs to do, takes away from time of actually helping that patient navigate a protocol. Um, and so with the turnover that we're seeing, these were problems that existed prior to COVID. They existed all the way through COVID. And now that we're out and the market is shifting in terms of jobs, it's even harder. We don't even have time to fully implement software to the highest level because we're just trying to keep our heads above water to keep business and patients moving through clinics is the majority of what I heard from, from site participants and also what I know from my time of working at a site through, through COVID. It is very interesting, right, Catherine, this dynamic, this, this this paradigm that we're in, if you will, right now around 
the challenges site face sites face right because they like you said they want to integrate technology and they want to bring it in their practices but they're so far behind and that like you said keeping their head above water with their clinical trial activity with staffing that it does present this kind of perfect storm of challenges so i appreciate you bringing that point um to the uh, attention of the listeners here Remote monitoring has become the norm for a lot of sites. We're, we're really seeing this as a result of uh, lockdowns and quarantines post-pandemic. But what have we learned so far with remote monitoring? And with that, what do you see as the future of remote monitoring-based and supporting technologies? Yeah. So this is something that was really exciting for me to witness uh, in 2020 from a clinical trials perspective. I had been asking for remote monitoring capability at my institution for a long time. Sponsors had been asking us to provide that opportunity. And we actually had some capability prior to COVID, um, but both uh, the institution and other sponsors seem to be a little bit risk averse around the idea of sharing patient health information in a remote platform. And then all of a sudden COVID hit and I, and I had free license to open up remote monitoring still with controls, but there was less of a concern because it became a need that we had to do to maintain business. And over the course of the last two years, as we've had remote monitoring in the, in the industry, we've seen that you can do it in a way that's safe for patient data. You can do it in a way that is effective for sites to share information and not slow them down. And you can do it in a way that actually allows sponsors and monitors to have more real-time insight into what's going on in the trial. Because if you think about the way monitoring was conducted in, in the olden days where people had to get on a plane and come to my site, I had a limited amount of space to allow you to come into the site to monitor, which meant that it was probably eight to 10 weeks before you were able to look at patient data at my site. Whereas with remote uh, monitoring, I'm no longer limited by space capacity. I'm only limited by the number of people I have to help resolve the data queries. So I can actually open up my monitoring frequency um, across my protocols to allow sponsors and coordinator, or sorry, sponsors and monitors to look at the data more frequently and identify problems early on before they become major deviations or major issues with data integrity. So I think you've seen the, the quality of, of data improve with access to remote monitoring. One of the, the challenges I think that is, that is looming and goes back to our first point about the inundation of systems though, is that there's a little bit of a standoff between sites and sponsors on where that data needs to be housed for remote viewing. And from a site's perspective, I find often that it's, we have the data in our systems and we want to be able to share it with you, but we don't want to have to download it or transfer it or move it into another system to allow that access. So if sponsors are willing to take a look at systems that political teams are already using, versus forcing them into a different type of vendor, I think that really would speed up the adoption of remote monitoring across the industry. It's a great point, Catherine, right? And, and it goes to support some of the anecdotal evidence that we have around remote monitoring centered around the fact that these this this movement of data right almost this this concept of double entry or entering it into multiple places places a burden on the site um not only from a resourcing perspective but also therefore a financial burden on the sites and that's a lot of what we hear from our site partners is that remote monitoring the way it's being conducted right now although as you had mentioned does contain numerous benefits that I'm hoping that we can move towards and start to see and recognize um, as we continue down the path of remote monitoring, but currently seeing a lot of challenge um, with, with the additional resources that the sites are indicating are required of them as a result of remote monitoring. 
Absolutely. And one of the things that came up at SCRS was talking about reimbursement models for sites to, to charge back that time to sponsors when they were requiring them to move information from one system into another versus accessing the system um, that's at the site. And there is a lot of movement around that and sites are starting to push back on that and build fees into their budgets. So it becomes a question then long term, is it cheaper to to accept the system and, and reduce the amount of administrative fee associated with that process or to send a vendor and then just pay the, the tax to get your data into the into your preferred system. Definitely an interesting dynamic and a path um, that I'm excited personally to see develop over the course of the next um, several months and years. So uh, thank you for your insights around that. We know this has been a conversation, and I'm sure it came up during your session here, or at least in in um, in conversations that you had subsequently. But kind of a known um, again dynamic here that we're seeing with technologies that more established or larger sites or whatever phrase you want to use usually have a leg up in the area of technology with larger budgets and and sometimes staff who can manage different technologies on behalf of that site. But what can smaller or newer sites do to adapt to some of these technologies? And what are some of, I guess, what are some of the things that might help them, some tips or best practices that you've heard, um, again, for those smaller or the newer sites that don't have the same budgets or resources that these larger ones do? Sure. Well, the one of the benefits of having such a large software market right now and the number of vendors in the space is that you have more options than a one-size-fits-all solution. So not every institution is going to be able to afford an, a closed system platform where you can buy all the modules and everything talks together because that can be a big price tag. Sometimes it's easier to start with a single system that allows integration and allows flexibility. So you can, as a small site, look at where is your biggest pain point that automation could help you and purchase a single solution to start there. And as that opens up capacity within the teams or creates opportunity to upcharge for efficiencies gained from that system to sponsors and generate more revenue, you can start to build out your, your tech stack from there. Um, so start with the first most impactful problem to solve and scale and look at different vendors. You have vendors at all sorts of price points and figure out where do you want to be in five years and, and think backwards of the types of things that you would need to get in place to get you there. That's an interesting point, Catherine, right? The, the one of the market is becoming um, diverse in the offerings that are available and different products at different price points. So even the small sites can most likely find a solution that works for them um, as opposed to one or two technology vendors in the space that has that, as you mentioned, one size fit all. I, I like that perspective and that's a valuable piece of information and perspective that I'm hoping our smaller sites and newer sites listening can, can take. And when they do that, I would say the only other point is to make sure that if you're starting small with one system, that you don't point yourself into a corner by installing a system that has limited integration capabilities. So make sure you're asking your vendors about API and um, open API ability and integrations with other systems so that you can continue to flex your tech stack based on your growing needs. That's another great point and uh, a valuable piece of information for sure. As we get into our last question here, Catherine, I wanted to ask, what advice do you have for both sites and our sponsors of the industry side of the relationship to ensure that everyone's working together to develop mutually beneficial solutions as it pertains to technology and clinical trials? 
I think it's really important for sites and sponsors to listen to each other and keep in mind the end goal of the technology is to improve patient experience, improve data quality, and get and get drugs approved faster. So if we can keep that as the forefront of what we're trying to do as a motivation, the answer of which system best fits that need doesn't become as important. Um, and I think another advice that I've always advocated for when I was on the site side, especially when I talk to sponsors and CROs, is talk to your sites about the complexity of, of the work that you're asking them to do and listen to some of their pain points and take that back and build that into your solution roadmap moving forward. Because once you've seen one site, you've seen one site. We all do things slightly differently. And there has to be some flexibility in protocol and technology to allow sites to continue to be successful. Um, because it's not a cookie cutter solution for everybody. So I think really talking to the end user about how to improve the experience will result in a better outcome for, for the industry as a whole. Excellent best practices, I think there, Catherine, and a great way to wrap us up and, and conclude our conversation here. So I want to thank you um, for your time and, and your availability with us today uh, and the great insights that you provided around technology and clinical trials and, and some of the, I guess, a, a recap or a sneak peek at some of the content that you were able to cover at that summit back in um, back in Austin. So thank you. Thank you, Jimmy. It was a pleasure. For everyone listening, make sure that you check out Florence's website to see what kind of offerings they have going to florencehc.com and that you make sure to register for our upcoming summits like the Global Site Solutions Summit being held October 7th through the 9th down in Hollywood, Florida by visiting the summit page. While you're on our website, check out our other SCRS publications for our entire community in the publications section of myscrs.org. I appreciate everyone's participation and listening in today's program and look forward to having you join us for more great content in the future. Thanks, everyone.